What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Your thrice weekly podcast where we dissect the hottest and latest news with a touch of what, Terrence? That's a good old humor, man. Good old humor, yeah. man. This is our third episode for the week. Yeah. Um, for those of you who may have been wondering last week why our uploads were not as regular, don't worry. Don't worry. We are back on track. Mm. Three episodes a week. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's pretty cool that we've been opening up to more guests coming in. Uh, yeah. Which is in line with what we're talking about later today. Opening up to more guests. Opening up to guests. Lah. All right. Oh, yeah. oh, that was a fast segue, man. No, no, it's not a segue. Yet. Fast segue. Because before the segue, we still need to do one thing. Yeah, our our weekly plug, which is that um, if if this podcast has in any way brought you some joy or made you think or given you something to ponder or even call us out on, it'd be, gr- it'd be great if you could just share it with, with at least one other person. Just send them a link. Um, show them our subreddit, which is fucking great. And yeah, we just, thankfully, our podcast has grown through word of mouth and we just want more mouths to help us grow. More mouths. <laughs> yeah, more mouths. Yeah. More mouths to help us grow. That sounds about right. And we need more yeah, mouths man. in Singapore to also help us move on from uh, with the new normal, which is the first topic of the day, which is about the yeah. new the new easing of border restrictions that has now been announced in Singapore on Thursday, right? And yeah, on Thursday, August 19th. I didn't even know there was like a one and a half hour press conference that happens, yeah, with the with the gods of COVID uh, and the gods versus COVID in Singapore. Yeah. Actually, yeah. not gods, the, 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 peop- the powers that be. Yeah, I suspect because they... This one involved more than just the MOH. It involved the Ministry of Transport as well, right? So yeah. So there was there was on uh there was Gan Kim Yong who is the co-chair of the panel and minister of what? What Gan Kim Yong is what? Uh? Who? Uh? Uh, in, health, uh, health. He right? used to be minister of health, right? Yeah. No, but now Ong Yi Kung is health, right? Yeah. So I think Gan Kim Yong stepped down. He's just still co-chairing this MMT uh the MTF. Yeah. MTF. Yeah. So there was Gan Kim Yong, uh, there was Ong Yi Kung, the current health minister, there was Lawrence Wong, the finance minister, mm-hmm. um, and S. Ishwaran, who is the minister of... Transport. 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 Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. That yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, the, the most specific thing that we are talking about is essentially... Oh, Gan Kim Yong is the minister for trade and industry. Mm. Okay. So he, he stepped down from health, but uh, he went into uh, trade and industry. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. So so I guess the biggest news that came out of it is this new, uh, the differentiated safety rules for travelers who are vaccinated. Mm, correct. Yeah, now right. the second phase of like turning the screws on the unvaccinated has begun. Mm, mm, mm. And and there's a whole bunch of uh, acronyms, like, new acronyms. <laughs> Right. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's 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 actually kind of it's quite confusing if you actually have to really look into it. Um. Well, what was the? Do you, do you have a very succinct summary of of what they are though? I mean, I was hoping you could do that because I'm still confused, man. Okay. I mean, <laughs> okay, basically, okay. Uh, basically, countries and regions have to have been classified into four categories with differentiated border measures, lah. Uh, but the mm. biggest news is that we are launching uh, the biggest news that is most relevant to us because we are now um, broadly speaking we have now moved from a COVID zero strategy towards a endemic COVID endemic strategy right is that mm. we are now really differentiating between vaccinated and unvaccinated uh, people and travelers so there was they are launching a something called a vaccinated travel lane scheme uh, so for short, we call it VTL. Uh, VTL it rhymes mm. with rhymes with uh, the old the old VPL. Uh, no, uh, VPL last time. Uh, the very very uh, sexy saying last time. Uh, you know, VPL. Do you but know it stands for what? vaccinated travel lane. Yes. VTL. No VPL. Oh, visible panty line. Yes. Is that sexist? I mean, not sexist, but it was just like the male gaze, like You know, it's about the male gaze. Where's the visible? Where's the visible underwear line or the visible butt crack 
the what's the acronym for that? VB visible but correct. That one, <laughs> that one I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, but even guys can get VPL. Right? It's just not referred to as VPL. Right? You wear panties, are you? Guys wear panties. No, but my underwear sometimes get missing. <laughs> yeah, but I we mean, don't we don't call the, it panties, the, right? <laughs> that's true, lah. Like, it should be the VUL, lah. The visible underwear yeah. line. Yeah, yeah. In this day yeah. and age, when but even Victoria's Secret doesn't doesn't do like. Uh, the Victoria's uh, Secret Fashion Show anymore. The angel, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We need to just point out that you know VPL was from a very a long a time long. It's an ago. antiquated. Yes, it's an antiquated word. Huh? Yes, correct. Uh, but yeah, those yeah. uh that scheme, the VTL scheme, is for vaccinated travelers from Germany and Brunei to visit Singapore without quarantine. So rather than having quarantine, they'll be subject to four COVID nineteen tests. And and a short period of self isolation instead of quarantine, and mm. uh, most other, most travelers from most other destinations have to be quarantined for up to fourteen days. Uh. so essentially, yeah. um, I think for a lot of people, it's basically been uh, this means Singaporeans can go to Germany for holidays, uh, just in time for Oktoberfest and 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 Christmas and everything. Uh, you can also and and you know visitors. I mean, um. Uh, People looking to come back can also come back through Germany, lah, right? As not yeah. come back, I say, let's say you're a PR or, or you are working, you meant to be working in Singapore and everything, lah. You can actually come back to Germany yeah. without any having to get any special visa or anything like that. So, so that means the biggest change is that, um, I mean, you don't even need like a 21-day travel history because for those mm. four categories that you mentioned, right, mm. um, you kind of need to show some travel history to those countries mm, mm, mm. Um, I guess that's to establish uh, I, I, I don't know what, like to, to lock down the source country that you're coming from mm. whereas this Germany and Brunei is almost like wherever you were between you know but even for Germany and Brunei you need to spend 21 days yeah, but in either of those countries yeah, so yeah you must have uh, you must declare basically they say you must declare that you've, you've stayed in the country for 21 days before you come to Singapore or you before you so go then, to Germany, you know. So I think the, so the idea is not for not for like someone from France to go to Germany and fly to Singapore. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Yeah. But technically, so so I've I knew we were gonna to get to that at some point, but mm. uh we, we we will get to that. But but just to clarify, because for the other four categories of countries, mm. there is also that that twenty one day requirement, right? Yeah, correct, correct. But but that means if you so is this, what what this is saying is that they have those four countries you still have the twenty one travel uh, day travel history mm. that you need if you want to come back from those countries but for all those countries you need something more like you need either like a work requirement a family tie or something whereas for Germany and Brunei you really don't need anything you yes. just still need that twenty one day history but you can come as long as you're vaccinated la. yeah correct correct. I see. Yeah. Okay, okay. So previously it was the air travel pass, which mm. was the ATP, mm. right? Now is the VTL, which yes. is the vaccinated travel lane, for yes. which you need the VTP, which is the vaccinated travel pass. Yes. So no longer ATP is the VTP. Correct, correct. Yeah. And then you need to take a PCR test. Yeah. Um, a few times, four, not yeah. the ART test. Yeah, four times. Uh, and then you also must have travel insurance for your entire stay. And worth 30,000 at least, right? Yeah, and you need to get this download trace together. Oh, yeah. We're going to get foreigners to download trace together. And there's a whole bunch. So essentially, uh, you have like 30 days before you apply for the VTP. Mm. Then you prepay for the COVID test. Mm. Um, yeah. Then you need to take a PCR test 48 hours before you leave. Um, you... S- uh, you check it in on arrival you take another PCR test mm. and you go immediately to self-isolation accommodated by private transport so yeah. that one I don't know whether it's going to be an honour code or not um, because if you're in a foreign country it's, it's going to be like a bigger country where they may not be as stringent as Singapore so I think a lot of this is based on the honour code yeah, yeah, and then yeah. if you're coming back to Singapore you have to stay isolated until you get a negative test result from your PCR test but yeah. it's not mandatory for you to stay right? yeah correct correct um, so, so I think the idea is honor. That, yeah, the idea is that um, even Singaporeans going to Germany to travel, you can't like from Germany go to you know somewhere else neighboring country, uh, Austria, France, and then come back to Germany and then fly back to Singapore lah. You are supposed to stay put in Germany for twenty one days. 
or something. Uh. You're supposed to lah, but yeah, yeah. but there's nothing there's nothing that can control that lah. And I I saw I mean I can imagine people saying, huh, what kind of what kind of crazy thing is this? That means you could technically fly to Italy for example or another country, mm. go to Germany, mm. spend 21 days there and then come back and you don't need to do stay at home notice lah. And yes. I could see some people online just chattering about that. Yeah. But in that one and a half hour press conference at the one hour 21 minute mark, mm. uh, Minister Ishwaran did address that lah. Mm. Um, talking about how, yeah, it, it's it's not going to be, it's going to be tough to enforce mm. uh, but It depends on people, you know, declaring. And I guess if someone tests positive and then they are seen, <laughs> I don't know how you can track it. I don't know whether they will go down to credit card history and all, but if, if they can track that, I think you will get in trouble. Yeah, yeah, correct. They'll definitely, right. they, so, yeah, you, you don't want to so, declare something false, right? Yeah, because if you want to go to Germany, technically you have to apply for a um, Schengen Agreement. Mm, mm. Um, I and this have you heard of that term before? I only started hear, hearing about it in the past few weeks. Uh, I have, uh, but it's like I don't know, man. It's like one of those things that I'm not entirely sure whether they enforce it and all. Uh, you know, what do, what do you mean? Uh, in my some of my previous travels to Europe and all, they would they and sometimes I actually spend more than a few months there, lah. Right, you know. And uh, I was made to apply for. I mean, I was told that I needed to apply for some kind of visa, but when I actually went to the embassy and tried to apply for this Schengen whatever thing, they told me to mm. just bugger off, just go out of the country and return in. Uh, you know, return just like how Malaysia, Malaysians sometimes do. Singapore but but that well. was that was how many years ago? Yeah lah, I would. Uh, yeah, that was more than a decade ago lah. So I, I I but the thing is I I just when I hear that thing I'm like uh, I'm not very sure about whether it's really particularly strictly enforced uh. uh i know at least one person who's applying for that for that visa mm. and i think his travel is predicated on him getting it uh. so i don't know whether mm. it's for his own uh sanity or whether it is being enforced mm. but for those of you who maybe haven't heard of it before it is a visa that permits the holder to pass freely through any of the schengen uh member states which is 25 european states uh, which includes yeah. Austria, Belgium, Czech Republic, Greece, Lithuania, Poland, Sweden, mm. and whatnot. Yeah. And I remember going to Europe in the past also, and I never applied for a visa exactly. like that. Exactly. So, so it's one. I think it's one of those like, yeah. On paper, it says you should apply, but then if you actually turn out at the airport without having applied for it, it's still okay. Although I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't ever care that anyone tries that lah. That's very dangerous, lah. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. last I time think, I tried I think, that, I the last now, time I tried that in India, I got stuck in the airport for like six hours. Uh. Yeah, like India, India is a different, different, <laughs> different, different world. Yeah. No, I think also because back then, back then pre-COVID, when airports were flooded with people, it's almost like okay, like you, you just go ahead. Now the flights are a lot less, so mm. I think people are going to be a lot more eagle-eyed, lah. Because yeah. if you imagine. If there's someone who goes cross border without a visa and all, ultimately it is the point of entry in Europe that country's immigration that will get in trouble. Right? Yep, yep, yep. Correct, correct. Right. And one thing is to qualify for this VTL. There are only two airline companies that you can fly with, lah: Singapore Airlines and Lufthansa. Mm. So um, yeah. So actually, it's a it's a good sec. It's a good point to start talking about it, lah. Because uh, yeah, lah. A lot. There's a lot of chatter online. People are. Uh, they they're not reacting to this news with joy. They're, I think a lot of people are reacting with uh, huh? What the fuck? Like, why are we so eager to you know open up our borders or that? But at the same time, we're having still such strict restrictions even for our vaccinated people here in Singapore. Like, uh, having to close at ten thirty and not having music and not being able to go out in groups of five and only being able to eat two in a hawker center and stuff like that. So. Why? Why do you think there's this kind of uh, sentiment still out there? Like, like, wasn't I mean, your was when you like merely excited to pack your bags and plan a trip to Germany this Christmas? Well, are you asking me whether I was excited? Yeah. I mean, the the thought of it did sound interesting, but at the same time, I think booking anything now it's a bit tricky, lah, because you never know when things can change, yeah. Mm, um, mm. I don't know. I think I know Germany is quite highly vaccinated, and their approach to COVID is also similar to Singapore, lah. Like mm. there will be cases. It's not like Hong Kong, lah, which is why the travel bubble in Singapore, Hong Kong burst, right? Mm. But then at the same time, if you go there, 
And if it's just Lufthansa and Singapore Airlines, the tickets are probably not going to be cheap, mm. right? So I would say excited in the general scheme of, oh, shit, we're actually pursuing things like this with these two countries. That's cool. Uh. Of mm. course, it did occur to me, why these two countries? Because uh? mm. uh, you never hear Brunei being talked about in terms of how they have dealt with COVID and all. Yeah. So that was that. But also I feel like, okay, that, that's kind of cool, especially when you see Australia and New Zealand pursuing the COVID zero, you know, one case fucking lockdown. Yeah. I think it's it's cool that Singapore's opening up like this. But yeah. that was my thoughts. What was what was your thoughts when you saw this? Um, I think it's, uh, basically it's a very, uh, it's the first step in a very big turn towards uh, okay, we got to open up Singapore already, lah, you know. I mean, in the past couple of weeks, we've gotten used to uh, no longer getting daily updates about new cases. So mm. new cases aren't even a, a thing that, that the public, general public is talking about. Now Now it's just about number of deaths and number of seriously ill people. Um, but if anything, we're getting a lot of data about how our aviation industry is suffering. You know, Changi, you know, Changi Airport is dropping has has fallen off the top as the top uh, airport in the world. Uh, you know, yeah, SIA obviously is is floundering as well. And uh yeah, there seems to be there seems seems to be just some acceptance that yeah, there's there are gonna that COVID is, is here to stay. There are gonna be deaths, mm. we're gonna deal with it. And uh let's just start looking through who has been who has been open to Singaporeans coming in and start reciprocating a bit like, and seeing what business can be done to allow the airlines uh some 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 business again. Like. And 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 you know, if you look at the charts, Brunei has historically had very, very, very low number of cases, although there is a little bit of a spike recently, you know, like they're going to the fifty something, eighty something new cases per day. And for Germany, it's um yeah, there it was quite it was it was, you know, getting getting quite um the, the number of cases was like it was obviously down from from the the peak in like last December and everything where they were I mean they had like fifty thousand new cases a day, but uh, recently mm. that I mean it, it went down as recently and at the end of June to like you know eight hundred or so or seven day average about yeah. five hundred plus, but now the seven day average is about about five six thousand uh. so we're just starting to see maybe. The Delta variant starting to to kick in and a uh, sort of a third, a uh, second or third wave for for Germany as we speak, lah. But, mm. uh, but but what was some of the chatter you saw that were not happy about it? Because both of us sound mm. like we are generally oh that's it's a good step, lah. It's a good step. Uh, the, I mean the general chatter is that um that okay because I think Ong Kong also came out and said that he, I mean he said some very um uh what do you call it ah. Uh, I think he said very confidently about uh, Singapore will stay open to the world and there's no other city that is like that. And then and, and, um, uh, basically you see people wanting to enter Singapore and nobody wanting to leave. And, and uh, you know, he, he, he is trying to say that Singapore has been controlling it very well as a city lah, compared to a lot of other places like New York or London in terms of the number of deaths from covid and and still generally remaining pretty free and open. But so a lot of people are saying that he's talking through his ass. He doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. There's a lot of, uh, still a lot of stupid restrictions on, on businesses and people here. So uh, why is he like already self-congratulating himself and, and Singapore is moving so slowly. There's a lot of, um, there are a lot of anecdotes, anecdotes about um, PRs and expats who have left Singapore because they can't stand living here. Uh, they've left mm. for you know cities like, exactly cities like New York and London because they've opened up and they're more free and everything like. So so mm. that's why uh, there's been you know I, I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure if now's the time to like really be congratulating yourself on your COVID strategy yet la. Uh, and probably a bit more prudence uh, in terms of just just shitting on other cities and talking about how good Singapore is would have been better la. Where did he say that? Uh? Where where did he say that? Uh. He's, he said that in... On his Facebook? Uh? Is it in his Facebook? No, in a speech, I think. Uh, yeah. Oh, in a speech, yeah. Because it's not on his Facebook. Yeah, uh? yeah, yeah. In a speech that he made. Uh, wait, let me just... In a, on Friday, blah, blah. 
He's like flexing his first few months as uh, Minister of Health. Uh. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he said people would be now asking to leave Singapore, not asking to return. If Oh, this is, it was a dialogue session with members of the European, European Chamber of Commerce in Singapore. So, mm. yeah, it's directly addressing people from Europe. Uh. Yeah. So if we had opened up recklessly, we would, then we would not be Singapore anymore. Our experience of COVID-19 mm. would have resembled New York's or London's. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. So they're, 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 I see. a lot of people are saying these, uh, a lot of these restrictions don't make sense. Like. And then last time it was promised that, or also called, it was said that once our vaccination levels reach a certain healthy number, like 80% or something, then, you know, we can sort of like uh, really start easing things. Uh. But it seems like, um, maybe it seems to a lot of people now that we're easing to to open up our borders as opposed to make life better for Singaporeans actually living here. Mm. So that's where a lot of the unhappy chatter is. And and comparing Singapore to New York or London, you know, they, they, they point out that, you know, in New York or London, you can sit outdoors in a park with, uh, you know, with uh, your own family in, in a slightly bigger groups. But in Singapore, you can't even listen to live music and what, what kind of, what kind of lifestyle is this like? You know, it's like we're still living in a prison, but we're still we're encouraging tourists to come here and visit this prison. Uh. That's what they. Uh, that's mm. what generally what they're pointing towards. Uh. But but I mean, a lot of the complaints also sound a bit more like, uh, how you say? Uh, wouldn't is is conservative the right word? Like like closing up should be better until we we have full full sort of like uh assurance that that we can travel like if there are still cases and like why, why isn't travel being prioritized for more urgent or pressing needs have you seen stuff like that uh not as much uh. I, I i thought this the, the complaint actually is more about why aren't they uh opening up locally i mean uh, opening up the economy a bit more locally la. like doing away I with restrictions like 10 30 uh, closing at 10 30 or not being able to yeah, having to keep your mask on while outdoors in large spaces like parks and everything. I think there were some people saying that if you you can fly to Germany and have a drink with more people than you can in Singapore. Yeah. So if you're like that is true. fucking if you have time and money, you just fly there, hang out with uh with your friends there. Because I think there the the restrictions are a lot more lenient, right? Mm, mm, correct, correct. Yeah. And the vaccination rate there is is, is pretty healthy, lah. So um, that's why I think in terms of, of the COVID strategy, Singapore and Germany are more aligned than with Hong Kong. Because we've also at the same time announced that they're, they are no longer, we are no longer pursuing a travel bubble with Hong Kong. Uh, but what is the travel bubble? What, what, what is the travel bubble compared to this VTL? I think the travel bubble is a, a bilaterally uh, agreed on kind of uh, agreement between the two countries. Uh, mm. That means they probably share information about uh, the, the their COVID strategies, and and going forward how to how to keep it safe. That way, and I think Singapore was maybe closer to pursuing a COVID zero strategy a few months ago, um, mm. similar to Hong Kong. And Hong Kong is still pursuing the strategy, lah. But in recent times, I think we've we changed our strategy uh, and our approach slightly. So it's no longer really in line with Hong Kong's uh, strategy, lah. And and it'll be a long time before before we can get on the same page about about a travel bubble. Whereas these vaccinated travel lanes, um, Germany has already been open to Singaporeans without much restrictions for for a while already, and now it's mm. just us uh, reciprocating. Uh, so it's sort of a unilateral decision. Uh. Mm. Mm. And uh, but, I mean, the I- Singapore Hong Kong travel bubble, every time it was brought up, always caused a lot of uh, always. It was always a jinx, like you know. It always caused the something would happen to to cause it to shut down again. <laughs> yeah, and I mean now they, they yeah, like what you said that uh, they publicly said okay we're not gonna pursue it anymore. Yeah. Right, fuck that shit. Yeah, fuck that shit. We're, we're not. Yeah, um, it's And bad, also like. I think yeah, it's it's because of of Hong Kong's approach to it lah, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I think. Uh, I don't know, because uh, based on what I understand, even China is taking a very almost militant approach to COVID and yeah. some of that maybe trickle down to the way Hong Kong is treating it. Yeah. Whereas I'm I'm glad because I remember also many podcasts ago when 
we were in, at the height of, I don't know, Petuha and all that. We did mm. talk about some articles by established uh, immunologists saying that the only way forward for countries is to uh, approach this COVID as as endemic. Mm. And there's no way we can keep going from extreme to extreme. But then now, Australia and New Zealand is like what we talked about on that on that same podcast episodes mm. ago saying that, you know, there are two phases. The moment we got one case, boom. Shut down. Whole yeah. country, yeah, shut down. But yeah. it's fucking ridiculous like that, man. Because they literally have one, they had one case, right? Yeah. Um, In Sydney, was it? Yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's tough, man, like that. Mm-hmm. Sydney, yeah. So, I mean, and now Delta. Yeah, it's quite interesting that you say it's ridiculous, lah, right? Because I guess maybe like months ago, uh, we have seen oh wow there's very prudent of them and everything like right but, but now, yeah. now as in uh, you mean for them to be take such a hardline stance yeah, on it uh? yeah as opposed to whereas we were much more uh, you know porous our borders were still much more porous like, right and have always yeah. been more so, porous like. so I so, mean is there is a change in people's attitudes as well towards the virus like? maybe it's a case of like we're just sick of talking about it already yeah and I mean, I think even the little things, like, you know, the message you get from the gov.sg on WhatsApp every day? Yeah. For, for some reason, it feels a lot less alarming than it used to be. Even though the numbers are still like 30 plus, 40, because the terminology has changed, right? Mm. They mm. use different phrases and all. Mm. And and I think that is in some way, yeah, like, not, I remember last time, there'll be always one number everyone looks out for. Now, yeah. I, I think it's kind of blanketed with some other phrases let me read mm. the latest message I, I got mean, as of the, the the thing is they yeah they focus on the number of people seriously infected with seriously ill uh because of yeah. COVID-19 and now how many people died then they say the locally transmitted cases lah. ah yes yes so mm. so that in persons infected with COVID-19 who are seriously ill I guess putting that it almost feels like they are contained already whereas the new cases mm. are the ones that always alarm people lah. Yeah. Smart, these yeah. people. Yeah. Smart. So it's a real. And then uh, it really shows you that yeah, using, you know, just repetition and 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 you changes changing how statistics are reported can also you know modify how people are reacting to that information as well. Yeah, and I mean, I also did see someone on Reddit say that the reason why we open up to German Germany and Brunei in particular is because of the army the military, because we have joint exercises with both of them. Oh, really? Which to me, I'm like, Since I think that's Germany a bit of a stretch, uh, because, huh? I don't, I don't remember having anything to do with Germany last time. Eh? Apparently, you got the armor exercise. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, but then I feel like, hmm, I think that's a that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, right? it's a bit, uh, it's a bit. I, 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 I'm not yeah. really sure if overseas exercises are the huge priority right yeah. now. It's called a Panzerwaffe, uh, uh, based on based on chatter lah. Yeah, got it, got it. Brunei and Brunei a lot of uh, SAF goes to Brunei a lot for exercises, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The the survival exercise in oh, Brunei. The one, yeah. So I I think I don't, I've never seen Brunei as like a tourist destination. Yeah. But I'm sure there's there's some some very nature na- nature um attractions there. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there isn't there like some but, fun uh theme park or something like that? They're all all uh all trainees. It's free, right, or something? No, all, I thought all trainees go for that. You didn't go, man. Uh, I did, I did, I did. Oh, you did, yeah, lah. Um, yeah. yeah, I did. But How I mean, it's not did? like you wouldn't travel. You wouldn't oh. travel to Brunei <laughs> for that theme park, lah. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> so during yeah. the first few years, I think when I went, it was free. Mm. But then in two thousand nine, um, they introduced like a admission fee and a ticketing system and all. Oh, I see, I see. Because what I heard was that the, yeah, the Sultan just built it because he was like, oh, okay, cool. To entertain people. Like, let's right. let's just do it. Yeah. Uh, and Michael Jackson performed there for free. Correct. In 1996, yes. in front of 60,000 people. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. that kind of kicked it I off, lah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't so, think people are going to be traveling for that, lah. So I mean, I I know at least one person who has already bought the ticket to to Germany. They're like fuck after it after the announcement, yeah. like right, <laughs> right after, after the announcement. Already, I saw a screenshot of the of their of their booking on the travel booking. To Munich. So they put it on Facebook or they, they in your WhatsApp? IG, IG story, IG story. So I was like, but, oh. but I did I did reach out and ask, oh, wow, seriously? Uh? Then they said, yeah, lah, cannot, cannot tahan really. They just need to go. So I'm like... Uh, but they booked it for what what period of time? To I think probably around Oktoberfest and all, lah, you know, to just like, oh. to just like enjoy Oktoberfest and enjoy a change of weather and everything, lah, change of climate. And, and I all. mean, I, 
Because yeah, now I'm on the Lufthansa website and you can get like the, the Singapore Frankfurt flights. They're doing one a day. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the prices are not, not crazy. Mm. Um, but, but I think anyone buying needs to understand that at any moment, things could change. Mm. And you, I don't think travel insurance will cover this. Lah. Oh, but then they have to buy travel insurance, right? No, but trip. but if they buy travel insurance, but I think if the regulations change because of COVID, mm. I I don't know for a fact, but I can't imagine the insurance covering that lah, because then everybody would that there's then well it's tough yeah, for the insurance companies. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they do. Uh. maybe they maybe, do. Maybe down in, in light of COVID nineteen, they have to. There, there's some there's something lah, that they allow you to cancel if if travel restrictions really change. Uh. But uh, yeah, yeah, overall, what do you think about um? Uh, do you welcome all these uh these new border opening measures? Um, I would say yes. Mm. And yeah. Why, uh, uh, and, and you 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 like having I, foreigners come to Singapore, and enjoy our our country. I mean, it's also like to me, it's less about that kind of like exploitative tone <laughs> that you just mentioned. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> the so they come and yeah, buy bicycles and wear spandex so, so, right around. Yeah, people can come and <laughs> fuck it up, you know, just use us. No, but I think it is, it's it's interesting because if you look at the other uh, cities or countries that are similar to Singapore in terms of vaccination rates, uh, levels of development, um, I think us opening up is, is a good thing like, because looking forward when assuming things are going to go back to a bit more normal than before at some point i think the earlier we can go towards that the better lah. yeah 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 and and i think it seems like it's still a more measured approach than just completely opening up mm. um and i'm just curious what happens after this lah. yeah but you you yeah i mean i to me i think that uh we've been very um we've been very focused on getting Singaporeans back into the office to work and be productive and all that, right? Uh, but mm. we have not, in, in equal measure, like looked at how, 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 how you know, outlets are, outlets for people to, to vent their stress and anger and everything should also accordingly, you know, be, be open. Like, whether, it's, whether it's just to help businesses or even just to help people's mental health, like just giving them more chances to meet people, more chances to go out, more chances to, to gather with relatives and family and friends and all that. I think that is very mm. underestimated in terms of keeping your keeping people, you know, in sane, uh, right? So, 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 mm. in some way, just even just one country, just having that out, one or two countries having the outlet to try to be able to think about or even plan to travel there and have something to look forward to for the end of the year for families and all. I think that's that's this it's it's a good thing, lah. Yeah. Hey, please check your travel privilege, ah. Uh. Yes, yes, I will check, check my your travel privilege. I'll check my travel privilege. <laughs> no, but privilege. I think, but it's true. Singapore, uh, we are we are stuck in this like city, this hot, you know, hot tropical, urban jungle all year. It's, it's so tough, man. Like we're not being able to like get get closer to nature and all, you know. Yeah, and and I think I think like yeah, Germany. I don't know how many people want to travel to Germany. How many people can travel to Germany? But I think psychologically, right, mm. just seeing. Oh shit, it's opening up. Okay, but but here's the thing, like, like the am I right to say that the only difference now between travel between Singapore and Germany compared to Singapore and another European country is the mm. stay at home notice la. Because technically yeah. you can still travel to Europe, right? You can, you can, you can. Yeah. I have I, I have so, I know someone who is traveling to Switzerland for like a month and he's gonna come back and just do his his quarantine at home lah. Yeah. Or stay home so notice, so yeah. technically if you look at it, is it is that the only thing that's changing um the two weeks stay home notice? Uh yeah, but but that's a, a big deal for people because like my for example for my friend, it's only because his company is still working from home, still like a full work from home thing. That's why he can afford to do that, you see. Whereas like mm. I think a lot of people are being forced to go back to the office now because there's like a fifty percent bank office rule. So I I hear a lot of one day or two days a week back in the office. So there's no way you can cheat the you can sort of play the system like that, like, you know? Um, mm, so mm. you need to have like easily just to do a two weeks outside you need to have a month's leave you know in order to to, to, so, to get through so technically everything if, properly technically technically if you can do remote work um, this this is not going to be that different right I guess there's certain things where maybe you don't need you can you can more easily go for recreation 
uh, as opposed to I don't know, like your friend going to Switzerland, Mazi show is also for recreation, yeah, like, right? Yeah, pure recreation. Yep. Okay. Okay. But yeah. but yeah, I think just psychologically, some sort of evolution in the travel travel um, space. I think is a is a glimmer of hope, lah. Yeah. I'm just curious how the anti-vax telegram groups and all are reacting to this because this is the first time the travel is differentiated, yeah. right? Yeah. But uh, but then again, yeah, lah. Now now they they're really like starting to to yeah really crank up on these people. So they are I don't know. A lot of them have capitulated. A couple of my Facebook have capitulated and taken the vaccine because they want to eat with their family in restaurants, ah. So these measures oh, sometimes yeah. do work. They do work. Although they are they are quite quite draconian, but they do work lah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah. speaking of draconian, like I think we can move on to the next topic, which is talking about a very draconian move that is going to affect a lot of uh, angry young uh, men lah mostly. You know, actually both lah, both men and women. Yeah. Around the world. Don't be uh, don't be genderist. Yeah, Harish also a, a massive user of this service. Uh, what I was what are you a massive user of this service as well? No la, <laughs> no, no no no. But I but I'm just curious in its evolution as a platform la, sure. And we are talking about none other than OnlyFans. Yes, and what is the big Which, news uh, about OnlyFans that has caused a kick in the teeth for a lot of creators? So I mean, in case in case like people are not aware of OnlyFans, um, OnlyFans is a company that was is a, is a it's got started in 2016 uh as a platform for performers to just provide clips and photos to followers for a monthly subscription fee mm. um and then over the past few years it became like um quite the the service for for creators of not safe for work content or sexually explicit content to perform and monetize and earn in some cases a shit ton of money la. Mm. Um, and I think they've been growing so fucking fast last year they spiked because a lot of sex workers who couldn't uh, work or porn stars who couldn't work they just started selling subscriptions on OnlyFans and some influencers and celebrities also started um, uh, OnlyFans accounts and I think mm. the most famous at some point was Bella Thorne as a mainstream celebrity who opened up and she earned like a million dollars in a day just through subscriptions la. and yep. people subscribe yep. for a promise of maybe more nudity or more um, sexually explicit content. So mm. even the value of OnlyFans in 2020, they were 2.2 billion. In 2021, 5.9 billion. Oh no, sorry, their, their revenue, it went from 375 million in 2020. 2021 on track for 1.2 billion. 2022 on track for 2.5 billion. It's growing like crazy, right? Mm. And most of its performance, I mean, or is known for sexually explicit content. Then on mm. Thursday, they said starting October 1st, they will ban all sexually explicit content mm. as they transition to a more safe for work kind of platform that that in, in their words, um, OnlyFans will prohibit the posting of any content containing social, sexually explicit content in, in order to ensure the long-term sustainability of the platform and to continue to host an exclu- inclusive community of creators and fans, we must evolve our content guidelines. Yep. So they can... They can still post nudity as long as it's consistent with our acceptable use with their acceptable use policy, which might be something along the lines of like Instagram, like where women can't show nipples or something like that. Mm, 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 so it's gotten a ton of backlash because it came all of a sudden. Apparently, a lot of the creators said they only found out through the news. They were not given any heads up, um, and it's almost like uh, how you say, uh, like a chai peng stall starting to serve Western food instead of chai peng. Because it's like such a big difference. Correct. Mm, mm, mm. And now there's all this talk. La. So people, a lot of people have been questioning OnlyFans and and some of the reasons they said were because the um, the, the, the payment payment gateways were not accepting explicit content. They, they couldn't raise funds because uh, certain VCs or venture capital firms mm. are prohibited from... Uh, investing in uh, uh, in platforms that could in some way encourage sec- sexual exploitation of minors and, and all that. Yeah, yeah, correct. So it's, it's a huge ass news, man. Yeah. And of course, some people are saying, but I mean, ultimately Snapchat started with people sending news to each other. That's what got it traction. And then it pivoted to become just a social app and very successfully. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So they're saying that but, it's not but, uh, it's not that big a deal as everyone's making out to be, lah. I mean, they are not saying that, but some some commentators are saying that. Yeah, but you could see this coming. What? Uh, mm-hmm. why is it so surprising and all that? But but what? It 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 it's fucking uh, it's it's shocking for me, lah. But when you saw it, what what did you think? Uh? Um, yeah, I think the growth of OnlyFans has been uh pretty staggering, lah. Right, that so many people have managed to find like uh real streams of income on it compared to compared to like trying to get clicks on YouTube and, and trying to fight the algorithm and everything like right. So 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 mm. in some sense it's actually been quite, I guess, uh empowering for, for creators who want to do that. But at the same time, yeah, it it does incentivize people to to, you know, um yeah, post more sexually explicit content. To, to get more followers and all like, it definitely caters to 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 a known demographic and and, and everything like. um mm. uh, so yeah actually there there are there are pros and cons on both sides like, right but but here's my question now why why not if if there's something that they want to do like to do like say a subscription a subscription or a patreon model for for sexually explicit content what what is stopping people from just Doing their own their own websites uh, rather than than being on OnlyFans, then there's no restrictions if they're on their own website, alright. Uh yeah, but I guess own website you have to maintain a whole bunch of stuff la. Like as much mm. as there are all these services where you can put like a paywall in front of your content mm. and subscribe this and all that, you literally have to market your own domain. You have to make sure there's it's search engine optimized and all that. Yeah. Whereas OnlyFans, if you are if you do well, you move up as a creator. Mm. Um and you benefit from the ease of that platform. And the like there's 24 million registered users now. So yeah. people there are already wanting the content. It's like yeah. why why we never upload our videos onto our own server and yeah. on our own website and we upload it to YouTube. Yeah. But but again that, that brings us to remember last time we always kept saying about you can never as a creator, you can never really fully rely on one platform as your sole source of income. La. Because yes. you, at some point, yeah, they just change something like that. They change something that you cannot imagine ever being possible and, and this is what happens. La. So also one of the interesting things is that I, I did hear recently that uh, there was a, an ex-UFC fighter uh, named Paige Van Zandt. She was one of the more popular, more well-known uh, UFC fighters because she also did like dancing on the stars and everything. And then she's, you know, she's pretty good looking and all that. La. So she actually launched her own adult subscription page because she enjoyed like uh taking uh nude nude photos of herself with her husband and everything. Like both of them are like very fit, very, very good looking fighters, lah, you know? Um mm-hmm. and she recently even came out and said that she she was making more money from her this adult subscription than she ever did, you know, fighting for USC or fighting now for the Ben Uncle fighting championship and everything. And so it's become like mm. her own way of like sustaining herself. La. And she did not do it as an OnlyFans thing. And she wanted to control it herself. So she she did it as her own website, la, which I which I, you know, out of research I went to take a look at. And yeah, la, there are some I think is there's some uh, there's some service that she's using to to manage this thing where you can tip the person or subscribe for to see the the exclusive pictures and all. La. So so mm. um, her Instagram is basically like a teaser of what the photos might be, her Instagram stories and everything. And then on the on her website, that's uh it's you can actually there are serv- there's a service that she uses that allows you to tip her or subscribe to see her other photos. Uh. And oh. she she has revealed that she makes so much more from this than from actually her day job, which is fighting fighting uh for a living. Uh. So um oh. in some sense I thought, yeah, you know, at, at that point I was like, oh yeah, actually why didn't she just do it only fans? But now, in retrospect, it's such a great decision, right? Because OnlyFans yeah, has come man. out and done exactly what uh, what we, we talk about, like, where a platform just decides to change something and you get screwed over. Yeah, that is so true. It's, it's the page Van Zandt. Yeah, fan page. Um, the, the website's called pagefanzandt.com. Like, and you subscribe. Wow, she was... Yeah. So you go there, it's, she it's was without... Smart, uh, yeah, so there's some app, she uses fan time or something. And it's just a very basic page, like, just a, a photo of her. And then multiple it's like an Instagram feed like that, right? But they're all locked. Huh? And you the number the button's just there, tip me or subscribe for nine ninety nine for one month, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's I think, uh, it's I think, like having so your own but but I guess 
she's also a very big name, so she doesn't need to market as much, lah. Yeah, so so it that that is true, lah. Because ultimately, to push people to your own website, that is hard. Um, but at the same time, like what powers her website is this website called Fan Time. Like yeah, you mm. mentioned it just now, mm. and I think it's companies like this that are gonna be going in for the for the kill to 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 plug the vacuum that mm. OnlyFans is leaving. Correct, correct. And I think even you know even for us, it took us a while to realize that we cannot be dependent on just one platform. And for yeah. those of you who haven't heard uh, um, what we mean by this, just roughly, we started uploading YouTube videos in 2011, 2014. We started cranking them out one a week. Mm. 2015 onwards, people started up ripping off our videos and putting it on Facebook and when we contacted Facebook you're like yo these people are literally uploading ours they didn't do shit mm. then we had to uh, upload our own videos on Facebook and that was the first glimmer of like hey fuck these platforms can do whatever the fuck they want then in 20 a few years after that we saw YouTube change a lot of algorithms that impacted a lot of creators in the US where their earnings through the the YouTube ads just fell like 80% overnight mm. um, then Facebook tweaked the organic reach of pages and just made it so difficult for us to reach our fans and then we realized oh shit we can't we can't ever trust these platforms like yeah um and not to say they're doing it out of pure malice or wanting to fuck creators over it's just once you are raising external money you have kpis you have boards or directors it's always going to follow the money like which is why even for our podcast right we have said before that spotify i don't know whether we have said but i it feels at some point spotify is going to change something and they are going to be the gatekeepers of this audio content, like, which is why we are so appreciative of our Reddit. And we also have some other ideas to to, to how to make sure that the audience and our, of our listeners, we have a bit more, how you say, uh, uh, of a more direct relationship mm. with them as opposed to relying on a platform. Yeah, maybe we should get on this like fan time thing. Huh? And you can fan time. <laughs> you can subscribe to see, Actually, to see photos, secret, exclusive photos of us. Huh? like what was Terrence and Harish wearing on episode 196 click here to find out find out yeah (laughs) (laughs) what the fuck yeah we used to we used to give out the information free now it's behind a paid service behind behind closed doors (laughs) uh. like once in a while a little nip slip here and there yeah but I think it's companies like this that that see the opportunity because OnlyFans Maybe in the long term, they're not going to suffer because they, I guess their platform is quite optimized for millions of people using it at, at, at some time. And mm. if we wanted to do safe for work content on OnlyFans, maybe it would pivot and the brand name would also pivot. But it mm. would be these companies where they kind of help you with the infrastructure of setting up like your own paywall content, your own domain. Maybe they... they uh, that these these websites are going to pop up la. and I yeah. think a lot of these websites they're actually quite a few you know, where you can they promise you okay you own your your domain it's uploaded on our servers mm. but these are going to become a lot more popular because if you're a huge OnlyFans creator you have people literally paying you like 20 bucks a month you know there's that loyalty there mm. and you just move them over la. yeah but wow OnlyFans uh, yeah. I think I think that's that's one thing for any budding creator out there la. Mm. you can't bank on just a network, uh, be it online network or be it a physical uh, network like uh, like like an OTT or something because we also have experience being screwed over by one of those. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, just, just thinking about something like Fantime versus Patreon, I think the, the good thing about only the growth of OnlyFans is that it has, I think it has made people realize that sometimes if you do want to support a creator, the best way is to have a direct, uh, you know, be able to give them money directly, like, right? As opposed to mm. YouTube, which is like, uh, oh, I'll watch your video, or I'll like your video, or I'll subscribe to your channel. Uh, does that really immediately money, uh, financially help a creator? Not necessarily, like, right? It, it depends mm-hmm. on a lot of different factors, and especially even, it, especially, especially in Singapore, the, 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 the I mean the money that we've ever got gotten from our YouTube views which goes to the millions all right is is is, is probably is negligible like, basically compared to what it costs to make the videos and all that like. so um mm. yeah just just the idea of I, I think it started a patreon right where people got used to the idea of oh I'll support a creator by by like being a patron like, almost like a patron of the arts that's why the name patreon but uh, I think only fans made it even more 
more explicitly commercial, right? That is like, oh, you want to see better content from this person and more content from this person, you got to just pay up for a subscription. And, and, mm. and if that kind of makes people, changes the relationship between the creator and the audience in that way also, maybe it's a, for the better, right? Oh, actually, I mean, if you think about it, I think Pornhub also and websites like that, you can become a creator. No? I think mm. Pornhub, um, based on my uh, research on the literature, is the most YouTube-esque <laughs> uh, porn website like, where you get oh. Pornhub creators um, you check, you and all that. Night. You checked last night, is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my many tabs. Uh. It's one of Friday, my many tabs. Friday night's but, glass of wine. Harish does his Pornhub but, research. Fuck you. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I tell my girlfriend, uh, babe, I'm uh, re- uh, researching uh, yeah. for tomorrow's podcast with Terrence. Just give me seven minutes. Uh, seven it's, minutes. It's just, yeah. <laughs> and then we start a, like a weekly OnlyFans update. Uh. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, sec- saying, a new segment of the podcast. So you're saying what? Um, yeah. No, I think a website like Pornhub, you can still be a creator, you can still earn, but I think the revenues, yeah, like, you know, YouTube, you get only a percentage of the ad revenue that YouTube gets, right? So mm. these platforms probably exist, but I think OnlyFans was the platform that provided the most bang for buck for a creator. Mm, mm, mm. Correct. Yeah, yeah, and you hear stories. If you Google OnlyFans creators, there it's crazy because right now there are 300 creators that earn at least 1 million annually, 16,000 creators that earn at least 50,000 annually. And you get so many stories of nurses who quit their jobs to become an OnlyFans creator and earning shit tons of money. Yeah. So... So yeah. it's just uh well it's crazy yeah and and I think it's it's interesting to see how this plays out uh because in the, like certain things they say also I think they said certain payment gateways uh, are not allowing transactions for sexual content because last year Mastercard uh, pulled out from Pornhub because I think there were cases of Pornhub videos of um exploit uh, that exploit minors being uploaded onto Pornhub and when people pay through Pornhub Mastercard is the payment gateway so mm. then they become implicated. So I'm guessing payment companies now are also a little more cognizant of the fact that if they do anything that could be accused of uh, encouraging uh, sex with minors and all, it's a no-go. But then some people pointed out that there are other websites that have payment gateways that are totally fine with that. So is what OnlyFans saying a valid valid, uh, pushback? Yeah, and the other thing is I I don't particularly trust these credit card companies like pretending to do to do the right thing, so to speak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, mean, fuck they, all they that don't, like. I don't think the decision-making <laughs> yeah. process is particularly to do good. Yeah. yeah, like with anything you see these days, if if you cannot just base it on the surface, yeah. like uh, all that CSR stuff and all, there's always... Yeah. It's it's it might not never it might never really run through yeah. all the way down. But, but I guess one thing just to add is that the the the, the difference between like a Pornhub having a tip button and and then you know OnlyFans uh, and then OnlyFans kind of thing is that probably Pornhub is like oh if you realize that you have to pay for something you're like oh, okay fuck it lah there's so much other free content that I can look at lah right so you just like mm, fuck mm, it let's mm. watch something else you I mean you just watch whatever uh, close substitute life you can find. But um, for mm. for yeah, OnlyFans is like it's really sometimes it's really you just want to see this one person or artist or whatever lah, right? And then you, if you want to see, you must see lah. It's not it's not easily. You just can't click to immediately to another alternative or anything so easily lah. So mm, so so mm, in that mm. sense, um, you know, I think the incentive is to really try to push you towards properly compensating someone for for their for their work lah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it's just it's just curious how how this thing is going to evolve. Like, and I know it's a hot topic, and mm. if you want commentaries and all, there's a bunch of creators who are speaking up about it. A bunch of non OnlyFans creators who are also speaking up about it. Because anyone who's been creating content for a while will probably have experienced some platform doing some fucking shit, like. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. so yeah, it's just interesting how this evolves, la. Yes, and cool. uh, so now we go on to. Our next segment, which is the one shock comment. The one shock comment. And what is and, your one shock uh, comment? My one shock comment is, uh, I mean, I think the the I'm still like uh, reading comments and and digesting comments from our episode one nine six about uh, the U.S. withdrawing from Afghanistan and the YouTuber uh, Dikosh being charged, and I think. One comment from Flocculencio, F-L-O-C-C-U-L-E-N-C-I-O, mm. Mm. Uh, just pointed out that when we when we were talking about 
Afghanistan and the history of Afghanistan and when I was going through the condensed version mm. I did mention certain pictures of Kabul taken in the 60s and 70s that I, I did say looked like a European country or looked like a, like Singapore at that point in time mm. and this user pointed out that those photos uh, it's important to note that they may, they may and probably not uh, reflective of what Afghanistan as a whole was look like was looking like, like mm, and mm. it's equivalent to like crazy rich Asians how you see that it does not represent Singapore mm. so I think that was a very 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 good point to to bring out and it also made me consider like oh fuck that is true like when you see pictures like this given that it there was tensions in the background that I did mention during the history it's super important to not extrapolate that as the, like the whole of Afghanistan. Mm, mm, so thanks for that comment. Yeah. Uh, my my the, my one shot comment also is from 196 from Sudin. Mm. Sudin. Mm. Uh, I think they, they pointed out something like, which I think we probably should have uh, more closely, more more rigorously specified that uh, Taliban basically has a very extremist uh, interpretation of Islamic law or Sharia law, as we mentioned on the podcast, so we didn't mention that that it didn't clarify that it's an extremist interpretation. So, um, in case just in case people who are who are listening didn't realize, like they might have mis- mistaken that they represent what happens if if there's Islamic law in any country and all that, right? But uh, mm-hmm. but but the 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 point is that is Taliban is a very brutal, has a very brutal uh and and very um, extremist interpretation of Islam, which is why if you just watch all the stuff going on now, it is quite um, unsettling the way that they, you know, they are going around saying, oh, you know, don't worry, you know, like we will make sure that everything is okay and that the women will continue to be free and be able to work and go to school and all that. Where, But but in the past, in the history, you've known, you know that they've, they've done a lot to, 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 to make these things very difficult for people, lah. So mm. uh, I think thanks uh, to the community for pointing that out, that we do need to make that differentiation between, uh, you know, a, a more moderate kind of uh, interpretations and this very extremist interpretation of Islam. Mm. Mm. So I love our Reddit, man. Yeah. You know, that's good shit, guys. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but cool. that's it. What is your one shook thing also to reward everyone for being so active on the Reddit? Um, my one shock thing is this article that I read a few days ago about this performance artist in China who mm. kind of, um, because you know certain cities in Singapore, uh, in China, I mean, they have uh, a lot of CCTVs, right? Um, mm. And he decided to to flip it by doing an art project where he would just like stare into the CCTV cameras for hours. Mm. Like he would set up like a like a what what you call it like a ladder or something yeah. and just sit there and stare in it for hours and his whole main goal was to to connect with the person behind the camera mm. and I think where when he he stopped when uh, someone uh, someone came out and told him can you get away from the camera uh, and to him he he kind of broke broke the system la, mm. which which was the whole point of the performance art la. so the article is quite long and it goes into the his history as a performance artist but i thought wow that is fucking cool man especially because you see more and more articles about how the younger generation uh, of kids in china are growing up with very different mentalities it is not all just work like crazy you know like um the the bring China to the to the top and all and I know that's probably not reflective of all the youth there mm. but when I see things like this coming out I think that's fucking great man it's so creative yeah yeah so creative it's quite cool uh, that that the experiment I also I also saw uh, oh you saw that also yeah I saw it as well yeah it's pretty pretty funny yeah it's pretty cool man yeah uh, the link is in the the show notes of course and yeah. and what's what's your one shock thing uh? Uh, my one shock thing is the if for all those who watched the documentary about the Chicago Bulls, The Last Dance, there was always mm. one glaring piece of the puzzle that was missing from it. Uh, it's uh, interviews with uh, Luke Longley, the the center mm. who was playing for the Bulls during the second the second three peat that they did from ninety five to ninety eight, right? Yeah, so I don't know. He was apparently very elusive and didn't want to be interviewed for that documentary. And there are a lot of theories about why and how he's still maybe angry with Michael Jordan and all. But uh, the cool thing is that there actually is a 
separate documentary that was made uh, that was made in Australia about about Luke Longley uh, and they got to interview him and they even managed to interview Michael Jordan about Luke Longley also about, about mm. their relationship and everything so uh, yeah, I think it just got uploaded on ABC News in-depth channel so it's called Luke Longley and the Missing Chapter of the Last Dance so um, it came out on August 14th which is just about a week ago and it's an hour long but one. it's different it's different from the the producers of the Last Dance yeah one. different different I think it's meant to to find out like what exactly happened to Luke Longley you know and what was his relation to, to the rest of the team as well and now he's like a he, his life his life is totally he's totally out of the limelight in, in basketball in the US already la, right so you, it's mm. kind of like you just want to see where he went since since then because he was a very pivotal he was also a very big part of the Chicago Bulls second three-peat as well la. so it's it interesting mm. that he has just disappeared off the uh, off the face of this uh, off of mainstream media and, and he wasn't featured in the documentary so much la. so yeah just do check oh. it out just for the complete story la. Cool. Yep. All right. Wow. Fuck. That's awesome. Because I love the the last dancer. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is the missing chapter. Awesome. 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 Cool. All right. Cool. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, and we will talk to y'all soon.